Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me, Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way, because it is, is, is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This ends the reading of God's holy word. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you here today on this chilly spring day. No, not quite yet. But anyway, you know, as I uh, read this passage and look at our... uh, uh, at the cover of our bulletin for today, and of course, hens and chickens are the theme of the day. We talk about spring chickens and not quite so much, but I mean, I immediately thought of our, our resident chicken experts here in the front row, the Borowski family here, and I, I thought about as we, as we read about uh, Jesus kind of lamenting, we'll talk about that, you know, Jesus lamenting the fact that he can't quite, that somehow his love isn't getting through to everybody. You know, I, th- I thought of care for pets, uh, and, and many of us either have been or are pet owners, uh, and, you know, there are some times where it's really easy to, you know, display love and affection for your pet, and sometimes your pet, sometimes your pet reciprocates, right? Uh, but then there are some things that you have to do in care for your pet or animal or your chicks that are sometimes a little bit painful, not really for, for them, but just the whole process. And I'm thinking of like going to the vet and trimming nails. I don't know what it's like if there's a difficult part of raising chicks. I have no idea. But I'm sure it's probably not easy, right, to gather all the chicks under your wing or gather them all together in protection. Like there are going to be chicks that want to do their own thing. And that's probably harder, easier said than done, right? So I I kind of just thought of that, that maybe tough love, maybe not in that sense, but I don't really know what else to call it. Tough love that we might have to show our pets sometimes that when we care for them, that it would just be a little bit easier if we could talk to them and say, this is for your own good, you know, that we have to give you this medicine or give you this healthy food or trim your nails. So it wouldn't be quite as difficult to love our pets. So, and anyway, that's maybe a similar parallel direction than where, where I want to go today, but I uh, just have that, that image, and of course, with you all sitting right here, thinking about care of chickens today would be an interesting parallel to this. But that phrase, anyway, is kind of what I want to focus in on, that, that, uh, that verse. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty accessible image to describe Christ's loving care as, as a hen wishing to gather her chicks in. I mean, to think that so many that who were left to fend for themselves were lovingly scooped up by Christ, 
and healed and protected and loved and fed. It just seems right. Like this is a good image for Christ's love. It's what Christ does. But there are, as Jesus said, some that refuse to be scooped up in this love. And as we see in this passage, that's a really difficult realization that Jesus is wrestling with. This passage can, can then help us acknowledge that we wrestle with this too in our own ways, and we can be quite hard on ourselves in the midst of that wrestling. And I think it's that, it, well, it's because love is a, is a really tricky thing, especially when it's one-sided, because we expect love to be reciprocal, don't we? Now, when I think of the, the two-way ex expectation of love, I, I think of, of the video that some of us watched on Wednesday night when we talked about transgression, which was one of the three words that we were learning about that evening. It's a, it's, it's a word that we don't use very often, really only in the church, which is why we were focusing on it in the first place. And the video simply described transgression as a breaking of trust. And one of the first examples that the video went through was a scripture passage of a law given in Deuteronomy, which makes a distinction between crime and transgression. So if someone were to break into your house when you were away and steal something from your home, that would be a crime. But if that person was your neighbor, that would be a transgression because they were supposed to be someone that you could trust. Now, the video expanded on this idea, saying that ideally, in a perfect world and in the kingdom of God, all people should be trustworthy since we are all made in the image of God, like we just prayed together in our Psalm 27 prayer. Now, even though that's not how the world works right now, which was the point of the video, that transgression and breaking trust is a far more common thing than, than what we actually use the word for, I mean, we should be able to trust others, and they should be able to trust us. That's what we expect, even though if the world doesn't quite work like that, we, we want it to work like that. Deep down, that trust should be reciprocal. I should be able to trust you, and you should be able to trust me. To my point, in the same way, we know that love should be reciprocal too. And when it's not, that's when it gets really hard to love. And we just read two scripture passages of people experiencing that in real time. In Psalm 27, you can just feel that the pain and the isolation, you can feel the uncertainty and the angst of the author because love is not being reciprocated back to them. Instead of being surrounded by loving individuals and a caring community, enemies are, are surrounding this person. And without feeling love from anyone else, it's awfully hard for the author then to feel love from God. So the author checks in with God to see if God is really there and really reciprocating love by saying, you know, are you listening? Don't turn your face from me. There's a whole section in this psalm that's just checking to see if God is even there in the first place. So this whole thing is a prayer written by someone who has not felt love returned to them. We don't know why, but... Love is not being returned. And that's what Jesus is lamenting about in the gospel. Now, it doesn't seem like he's lamenting for his own sake because he's not receiving the love from people in Jerusalem that he thought he deserved, which honestly is a totally human thing to feel, and I wouldn't blame him at all for feeling that way. I think he's frustrated for their own sake. 
that his love was offered and for whatever reason they didn't feel it, they didn't cherish it, they didn't accept it, or it just simply didn't translate. And you can sense his frustration throughout this whole interaction. When the Pharisees warn him about the fact that Herod wants to kill him, he kind of snaps back at them uh, a little bit as the messengers of this. And I almost read this, uh, th this passage, in fact, actually I do read this passage with a sense of I guess, frustrated sarcasm from Jesus, as there's some wordplay and, and, and different snippets in here that, that really kind of point at that. You can sense that in Jesus' voice as he calls Herod a fox, which, as far as I've read, has the same sly and sinister connotation as it does today, if you recall someone a fox. Uh, but it also is an insult to a king because the king and the kingly animal is described as a lion, right? Much more uh, proud and ferocious and present than a fox. So there's, there's kind of a double-layered insult that Jesus is, is, is laying out here for Herod. And I read the same sort of frustrated sarcasm or tongue-in-cheek or something like that. Uh, I read the same kind of tone when he says that there's no possible way for prophets to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Or in other words, nowhere else seems to have problems with prophets, but Jerusalem seems to be the only place with issues. You can sense Jesus' frustration there. But then after that, I think Jesus finally gets to what he's really frustrated about, what he's really just, he's, he's anxious about. It's his desire to be in a better and loving relationship with the people of Jerusalem. But the heartbreaking part of all of this, the thing that he's struggling with this, is that this isn't going to happen. This relationship is not going to get better, at least not yet, because he and us both know he's going there to die. He's going to die in Jerusalem first. So Jesus' desire to have more than one-sided love, I think, is something we can all relate to. We struggle with this all the time for different reasons, maybe not with a whole city, but with maybe with different people in our lives. Some of us have grown children and become frustrated or maybe restless or maybe some other feeling when our children make decisions that we wouldn't make for ourselves, right? And yet we try to balance that with respecting them enough to, to deal with their own consequences and live their own lives. That's, that's, a, that's a struggle I think many could, could attest to. Some of us have loved ones living far away. And yes, <clears throat> yes, we can show love over a distance, but it's difficult when we can't show love or receive it as frequently as we'd like, or show or receive love in person, which we now know, right, after two years, how important that can really be. Some of us struggle to love people we've never met in Ukraine half uh, all the way on the other side of the world. And to make it more difficult, we want to do more to help, but we know we can't go there. Instead, we have to trust that our love and support can be carried out by others whom we've never met, who are protecting and working for peace. There's a lot of trust we have to put in other people there. Some of us struggle to love others with different personalities and different lifestyles. Some of us struggle to love others with different political beliefs, most often by simply expressing how much easier it would be if they would just change their minds. Some of us struggle to love someone who we've had a difficult past with or who have truly transgressed against us. 
Some of us struggle to love others who we have to create boundaries in between with to, to, to just maintain our own physical and mental and emotional well-being. So there, I think there are people in our lives who we do want to protect, who we want to help, who we want to be with, who we want to come to church, who we want them to love us back, or who we simply just want to love in the first place. And for some reason, it's not happening in the way that we had hoped. That's a really hard thing to come to grips with. And so instead, we wonder if there's something different that we could do or something more that we could do to, to fix a relationship we have with someone or to redeem it. Sometimes we even find blame within ourselves or we think that there's just something wrong with us and that's the reason why this relationship is the way it is. But if anything, I think this passage reminds us that love is hard and it's not always satisfying. And there are no answers or solutions to those feelings when we have them. The psalmist had them, Jesus had them, and if we're honest, we have them too. It's a part of being human. And the closest to a solution that Jesus displays in this gospel passage is that he's not going to let love stop him from loving others. He's not going to let the frustration or, or the angst that he's feeling stop him from loving entirely. He's going to keep loving, even though it means struggles like this are going to come up. And that's what we are called to do as people of faith, isn't it? To continue loving Knowing that God, having faith in the fact that God has the ultimate capacity to love others in all circumstances, when sometimes our love might seem like it falls short or get lost in translation. So just as our Savior experienced, when your love for others feeds into some, some joyful moments, right, the, 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 the results maybe that we would expect, like fruitful relationships and meaningful service, and when your love leaves you with a very real struggle and a yearning for more, know that you are blessed as you live and are called and inspired by the love of God. May this blessing be with us all. And may the example of Christ show us that this is a part of being human and the part of the true call that we have to love others.